It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. A very strong showing for the progressive wing of Rhode Island's Democratic Party. Ten incumbent lawmakers have been defeated in their Democratic primaries. We've sent a message that's really clear. If you're not working for the people, you shouldn't be in the state house. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept. For years, the story in local politics across the United States has been the same. Since maybe the 1820s, big city machines have effectively been in control, and they've used that clout to heavily distort politics at a national level. Why do we have the Democratic Party that we do today? Well, it's largely thanks to those untouchable local machines. But those machines have gotten rusty over the years. We were done with inside deals and sweetheart deals and the things that our state house had been known for. That's one of my guests today, Cynthia Mendes, who just ousted William Conley Jr., the finance committee chair in the Rhode Island State Senate. She's one of a wave of progressive candidates who stunned the party establishment this week in the state's primaries. Then... I'll talk to Daniel Denver of Reclaim Rhode Island, a fellow podcaster who put his boots on the ground and was part of this Ocean State political earthquake. This week on the show, what happens when the political revolution comes for the statehouse? In the summer of 2016, two years before Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ousted Joe Crowley in New York and kicked off a national insurgency in the Democratic Party, progressives in Rhode Island were organizing one of their own. House Majority Leader John Simone was a right-wing Democrat, typical of the Rhode Island Party establishment. A Jamaican-born teacher from Providence decided to challenge him. She beat him by just 21 votes. Three other progressives ousted incumbents that year, too. Rhode Island's Democratic Party leadership is famous for its corruption, but also for its grit. Simone mounted a write-in campaign in the general election, but in the end, he fell short there, too. The party establishment has spent the last four years trying to win those seats back, mounting challenges to the 2016 upstarts. But this cycle, they found out they had bigger problems, fending off insurgents everywhere. On Thursday evening, the mail-in votes were finally counted, and the results were conclusive. Establishment Democratic candidates were routed across the state. In the House, at least 10 progressive candidates won primaries, and in the Senate, another nine notched wins against establishment Democrats, with fewer than 30 races in play. The most unusual intervention in the primary came from a new organization called the Rhode Island Political Cooperative, founded by veteran Rhode Island lefties and built to recruit and provide infrastructure to an entire slate of candidates all the way down to the town council level. That cooperative relied heavily on help from chapters of the local Sunrise Movement. Two Sunrise Hubs in Providence and South County played a critical role with more than 10 full-time organizers dedicated to the operation, which generated thousands of volunteer voter contacts. Progressives owed much of their success to the organizing groups that had sprung up over the last few years, much of it flowing from the 2016 campaign of Bernie Sanders, including the new group Reclaim Rhode Island, 
along with the Working Families Party, which is now four years into its effort to flip Rhode Island from a deep blue, deeply corrupt right-wing state to a blue and progressive one. The most immediate political problem confronting Rhode Island lawmakers is their state's budget shortfall. The fight over how to deal with it has so far played out along familiar lines. The progressive slate argued for raising taxes on millionaires, while the Democratic governor and much of the party leadership has pushed instead for social spending cuts. To pass a budget in Rhode Island, you need a two-thirds vote in both chambers, which means that just a handful of lawmakers can block any given proposal. If Democrats can't model a decent path forward in dark blue Rhode Island, it's hard to imagine them doing it in Washington. So what's the plan? I'm joined now by Cynthia Mendes, a single working mom from East Providence who just upset the finance chair in the state Senate. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Excited to be here. So, Cynthia, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did how did you become politicized? When was the kind of the when was kind of the first moment in your life that that you started to kind of absorb the idea that there were politics at play in your life? So just existing in the world, right? I, I was aware there were mm-hmm. politics at play. I never once ever, ever imagined that I would be involved in politics. That's completely mm-hmm. different. You know, my dad was a minister. My dad gave up law school to become a minister and served, you know, his entire life. And so I grew up in a very service mindset. That was a lifestyle that I had. And as a single mom, I have with my daughter. I had to think about the, the world that my teenage daughter was going to grow up in. Um, in the climate crisis, we are essentially handing that generation. I had to think about you know my history in healthcare. I've worked in healthcare for 15 years. I remember giving treatment plans to mothers that would deny them because they had to choose between their medical deductible and their mortgage and putting a roof over their family's head. And that was a decision that working families in District 18 had to make on a daily basis. So what was the role of the Rhode Island political co-op in in your decision to run and kind of launching your campaign? Yeah, so, you know, the Rhode Island political establishment has made it really clear that in this, they made uh, the state house this impenetrable force. Uh, you don't run for office, you don't get in office unless you've been tapped on the shoulder by the political establishment. It's virtually impossible. You can be an outlier, hack the system maybe and try to get in, but then you're really ineffective because the leadership, you know, the corrupt leadership has a stronghold really on that state house. And so, I was connected with uh, Janine Culkin and Jennifer Rourke, who were the co-chairs of the Rhode Island Political Cooperative. And they are women who have experienced that firsthand. Um, Janine had made it into office and then lost her second term due to the establishment, and uh, Jen had not. And so they had this idea of like, let's work together to help create a cooperative where people are able to get into office and share resources, share a platform. And then that was kind of the beginning. I was one of the first candidates kind of jump to join the co-op. Now, you're a Bernie Sanders delegate. What, what role did Bernie Sanders play in, in your, the development of your politics? So he was definitely, you know, an inspiration to me uh, back in 2016 and even now um, because of my experience of knowing what it looks like when we don't have leadership that is going to fight for the basics, universal health care, $15 minimum wage, reject corporate PAC money. Right. So let me ask you a little bit about some of the state level politics here. You know, as, as of course, you know, not not every progressive group in Rhode Island got behind your campaign. And my understanding is that one of the reasons for that is that while nobody would describe William Conley Jr. as some type of uh, progressive champion, he was the, the lead sponsor of, of the millionaire's tax kind of as the 
as the finance chair. The 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 lead house sponsor was somebody that the you know, Working Families Party had gotten elected to the House in in 2018. And so, you know, while he wasn't perfect, the argument went he was kind of the best progressive ally that progress that progressives had in the Senate leadership. And so, by taking him out. You're sending a signal that, well, there's no point in working with the left because they're just going to come after you anyway, no matter what you do. So, you know, what's what's your what was your response at the time to that criticism, and how do you how do you feel about it now in the wake of the election results? So, yeah, there are there were a few policies that came up, and they came up late. So, that some of that tax, um, you know his proposing taxing of the top 1% came on after I had announced mm-hmm. my candidacy. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, convenient, the timing. Um, so I, not a lot of people would actually say that he's, he's championed some of those things. There's also, Rhode Island has a history of, of corruption. You know, there's sweetheart deals is not something that you hear, you hear weekly, you know, about those. And so, there's a deep level of distrust for the political establishment, and they've earned that. Mm-hmm. And and so obviously it's a great thing when when good people win elections, but none of it matters, of course, unless it translates into real you know material gains for people on on the ground. So what what do you think is going to be the most immediate effect of this kind of progressive landslide that we saw across the state in Rhode Island, and then more specifically the the big fight in Rhode Island as as obviously you know is about the is about the budget now you know are there going to be taxes on the rich is there going to be more uh social spending and and help for uh you know towns and cities in rhode island are are you going to join the people who are committed to voting against the budget if it's not strong enough and where do you think this is headed yeah absolutely so i think that you know with the beautiful thing about running with a slate of candidates now and a lot of us are um you know showing uh that we're going to be in the state house right now. Uh, we all have eyes on that budget in new and unique ways. And another way is that we are not bought by the political establishment. Um, we are not bought by corporate PACs. So we're able to look at that budget with the people that we've talked to for months in mind. And so, so yeah, the budget will go under some deep scrutiny and uh, there will be a major shift going forward. Well, well, Cynthia Mendes, thank you so much for joining us here on Deconstructed. Oh, thank, thank you so much, Ryan, uh, for having me. And um, I just wanted to you know, thank my Rhode Island Political Cooperative family as well for running an amazing slate of candidates that have really challenged the political um, establishment here, um, and, and particularly for the Sunrise Movement, which was really instrumental in our ground game, uh, the way that we were able to knock doors and to be able to have those conversations really wouldn't have been po- possible without the partnership between the Rhode Island Political Cooperative and Sunrise Movement. Well, congratulations, Cynthia, and best of luck in the state Senate. Thank you, Ryan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Another group that threw its organizing muscle into the Rhode Island primaries this week was Reclaim Rhode Island. The group was founded just a few months ago by former volunteers and organizers from the Bernie Sanders 2020 campaign. Despite their efforts, Bernie himself declined to endorse any local candidates there, but they pulled it off anyway. Daniel Denver is the host of the podcast The Dig, author of the book All-American Nativism. He's also a writer for Jacobin Magazine, but more importantly, he's the co-founder of Reclaim Rhode Island. Daniel, welcome to Deconstructed. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on the the win by your by your slate. We we, we just learned that you went four for four uh, this this election cycle. Tell us a little bit about Reclaim Rhode Island because you, you wrote a, you wrote a piece that uh, was much discussed in Jacobin several months ago, saying that Bernie Sanders ought to convert his presidential campaign into a movement that would elect grassroots uh, progressives around the country. He hasn't done that. Uh, but you guys in Rhode Island did. Um, how, how did all that come together? Well, we did such hard work here in Rhode Island, sending bus after bus to New Hampshire to canvas there, car caravans every weekend, then the same in southeast Massachusetts. We had two huge rallies that we organized on our own with very little help from the national campaign. And we never got the shot of really having a Bernie campaign here in Rhode Island because the whole world turned upside down. Coronavirus, Joe Biden becomes the nominee. Things looked pretty bad, but we had built this incredible organizing infrastructure, incredible leadership with an incredible volunteer base, and we didn't want it to go to waste. And what I was hoping that the Bernie campaign would do nationally, that what Bernie would do nationally, is try to help facilitate the infrastructure that all of us had put so many so much sweat and so much time into building to not let it go to waste and to build successor organizations. And that didn't happen nationally, but we did that here in Rhode Island, building off the model of Reclaim Philadelphia, which was a successor org to the 2016 Bernie campaign. We formally founded Reclaim Rhode Island in May, and we are building organizing committees in state house districts across the state. We just started that about a month ago and we already have like a dozen set up. Uh, we are fighting against an austerity budget and we dipped our toe into the electoral fight for this week's Democratic state legislative primary elections. And we went four for four. We backed DSA's candidate, uh, David Morales, for the state house. We won that. We backed uh, with WFP uh, Rhode Island, Leonella Felix won that. We backed Megan Coleman for state Senate, won that. We def helped defend Sam Bell, a progressive in the state Senate who was targeted by the establishment, and we won that. And this was just an enormous, enormous week for the Rhode Island left, not just us, but the Rhode Island political cooperative had a huge number of enormous wins. Providence DSA again, Sunrise. This is just like a political earthquake in the state. So what, what kind of what kind of people did you did you organize and get out on the I don't know if you got did you get out on the street and go go yes, knocking on doors? We were canvassing. So what, what was that yeah. like uh, in the in the COVID era? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's with masks is mm-hmm. what it's like, and then kind of weirdly the same. Right. Jo- Joe um, Biden has said he's not going to do it. Do you, I mean, do you think? I that, think that's absurd. What, what are the what What do you hear from people at the doors um, when you're like when you're knocking in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, I mean, first of all, people don't ask you like, "Why are you knocking at my door during a pandemic?" You know, you 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 knock and you take you know a good six eight steps back from the door and you have a conversation with your mask on. And what you're hearing is kind of what you're hearing before the pandemic, but intensified, which is that people are alienated from politics. The biggest challenge is always giving people a reason to vote and convincing them that voting matters. And in Rhode Island, I think what that looked like was targeting the the machine. And because in this state, we're not only up against like neoliberal establishment Democrats, like people in other states are up against, we're up against straight up conservative Democrats, like anti-abortion conservatives. And so uh, running kind of an anti-machine message and tying that in with the progressive message around things like the budget, because like do we need an austerity budget right now that cuts services to the same working class people who've already suffered so much during this pandemic? Or do we need, in fact, precisely the opposite? And those kind of conversations resonate. What, what kind of person did you did you bring out into your volunteer operation? Were these people who, you know, flowed out of the, the Sanders campaign? Our initial members were our earliest members were Sanders volunteers by and large. But pretty quickly, we've expanded to bring in all sorts of people who are committed to social justice work in the state, who are committed to defunding the police. We've even brought Warren supporters on board. We are building a really powerful left united front. And I, I, I've i never found it so easy to recruit people to an organization as right now. People really want to do something and to plug in to get one challenge is, is is plugging people into canvassing who haven't canvassed before having all these people who had experience canvassing for Bernie helped but we had a lot of people who hadn't canvassed for Bernie so we did a bunch of events including one with Reclaim Philadelphia and another with New York City DSA on how to organize a canvassing operation how, why knocking on doors matters how in these races with low win numbers for those who aren't, uh, you know, electoral nuts, a win number is the number of votes you need to win. We have such low win numbers in this state. So we really tried to convey to people concretely that every single conversation you have really gets us uh, concretely one step closer to, to winning these elections. And we did win them. Do you notice a change in people when they move from just Twitter activism to actually you know, hitting doors and and phone banking. And what, what does that look like? Oh, I think people find it very refreshing because the discourse on the internet is obviously a total dumpster fire. And the way people interact with each other on the internet is precisely the opposite of how you need to interact with voters at yes. the door. Instead yes. of yelling at people or trying to own them, which is how, you know, I'm not saying I've never done that myself on on, <laughs> on, 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 on Twitter, but instead of doing that, which is kind of about your, making yourself uh, look good and racking up the likes, what you're trying to do is is get someone who likely has rather different politics than you to come over to your way of seeing things, or at least seeing their way of seeing things as uh, being something that can be realized through voting for your candidate. And so it's an entirely, it's about persuasion. So we on this program, we spoke earlier to uh, Cynthia Mendes, who she ousted the 
the finance committee chair. Reclaim didn't actually endorse her. Working Families Party didn't in, endorse her. Uh, what were the what were the politics uh, behind that? And what do you think will be the effect of of knocking the finance chair out? I think Mendez's win is enormous. And there was no particular reason that we did not endorse Mendez, except that we're a brand new group. And so we started with a a list of maybe like 16 candidates that we were considering endorsing and narrowed it down to four. And the idea from the get go. Is that a lot about capacity? Entirely about capacity. We did not want to issue paper endorsements. We wanted to work hard on four races and show those candidates and our members that we had the capacity to win races. And now we're planning on building more capacity for 2022, including running our own candidates, but including, again, supporting candidates supported by DSA, Working Families Party. Um, we look forward to working really closely with uh, with the Rhode Island Political Co-op, who I should add was closely partnered with, with the Sunrise mm-hmm. movement in all of these victories across the state. Rhode Island might be tiny, but it's actually still a state, I have heard, which means <laughs> that it gets it gets to send two people to the United States Senate. Uh, Do you think that uh, they're watching these results and and wondering what that means for future Senate races? I certainly hope that Reed and Whitehouse are watching. We have win numbers for U.S. Senate seats in this state that are comparable to U.S. House seat win numbers. These are races that organized people can win. And Jack Reed and Sheldon Whitehouse should be playing close attention to the just crystal clear message that Rhode Island voters have sent this week, unambiguous progressive message. Last question. So what what does this mean on the ground for the fight uh, over austerity in in Rhode Island? Do you do you do you expect that you'll get a different budget that, you know, working people's lives will be different as a result of these elections? And what needs to happen between now and the, the time that the budget is implemented for that to happen? I certainly think so, because the budget, they've kept kicking the the can down the road. We're months and months into the fiscal year without a budget passed. State leaders are are waiting on U.S. Senate Republicans in Washington to pass more funding to to states. And uh, I'm not incredibly optimistic that that will happen. And so there are things we can do right here in Rhode Island after a a decade of an huge tax cuts for the rich in the state. It's time to make the 1% pay their fair share and not gut funding to cities and towns and schools. And Governor Raimondo, our neoliberal Democratic governor, has already started taking money from the funding targeted to the poorest cities and towns in the state based on her budget proposal for this year, which is not the current budget. So we're already seeing Governor Raimondo perhaps illegally taking action to impose austerity before budget has even been passed. So we think that this election sends a clear message to those who are currently legislators in the Rhode Island State House responsible for this year's delayed budget that people do not want austerity. They want the opposite. And we are currently organizing legislators uh, to sign a no austerity pledge. And we'll have a press conference soon with with currently sitting legislators to signal their opposition to to an austerity budget. But not only should should Jack Reed and Sheldon Whitehouse be on notice, consider themselves on notice, but every single state legislator in in Providence should consider themselves on notice because we won the left progressives won in all sorts of districts this week. There are very few legislators who are safe from a progressive challenger. 
it, it feels like a signal to the to legislators all across the country too. And we'll you know we will continue to watch this. Um, Daniel Denver, congratulations on, on your on your wins. It looks like at least a dozen of the uh, insurgent beat establishment candidates in this primary. Uh, Daniel is, like I said, he's the host of the podcast, The Dig, author of the book, All American Nativism, writer for Jacobin. And Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on Deconstructed. Thank you so much. And just a huge shout out to Prov DSA, RI Working Families Party, RI Political Cooperative, and Sunrise. We couldn't have done it without them. That's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept, and I'm also the author of the recent book, We've Got People, From Jesse Jackson to AOC, The End of Big Money and the Rise of a Movement. The Rhode Island Democratic Establishment should get a copy before it's too late. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. Go to theintercept.com slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice, iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.